today on It's Time. God, if you're really God, why do you allow the suffering to happen on this earth? Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, he's going verse by verse through the book of Revelation. So turn there in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. War now follows the Antichrist takeover of the world. We know that's going to happen. The Bible tells us that there will be warring factions. In fact, when we get up here a little bit farther, we're going to see that even though the world comes under one world order, there's still going to be different diversities of governments. We're going to see that in a second. And when he opened the third seal... I heard the third creature say, come and see. And I looked a black horse and he had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard the voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius, three quarts of barley for a denarius, do not harm the oil and wine. So what follows the Antichrist, his power takeover, his initiating wars, and then follows famine. It always does. You either got, only got so much time in a day. You can either try killing everybody or try growing some food. Hey, well, what are you going to do? All right. Well, the Bible says it's going to be basically a meal is going to cost you a day's labor. Right now, food is plentiful in the world, but it's a very fragile balance. And again, when you realize that this mishap is an example that happened in Chernobyl. Remember when the nuclear reactor melted down in Russia's basically San Joaquin Valley where they grew much of their food in in Western Europe? Well, when that melted down, all that farm ground now is so contaminated, they said they can't do anything with it for probably another, another 300 years. It's so nuclearized. And in fact, they actually showed theme parks like Disneyland that are just setting wasted. Nobody will go there because the radiation is so hot. Well, imagine if that happened in our San Joaquin Valley or some of the other places where food is grown. You can see rapidly how quickly we can go from a state of normancy to a state of chaos because of these things. War never brings about any solution. And so understanding that, but he also says, do not harm the oil and wine. So for those that have the money, they'll still be able to get stone, um, oil as well. The fourth seal, and I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come and see. And I looked and behold, a pale horse and his name that was written on him was death and hell or Hades followed with him and power was given to him over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, kill with hunger and death and by the beasts of the earth. Now, a fourth of the world's population dies in the first year or so of the tribulation period. The tribulation period, the Bible tells us, is seven years. 
Now, why is it seven years? Because Daniel, who was captured, child of God, Jewish person, carried away to captive, to Babylon, was praying about his nation. God, you made all these promises to Abraham. You did all these things. And now our nation is destroyed. We're carried off to Babylon. What's ever going to become of it? This is thousands of years before this was written. And God said, Daniel, don't, don't worry. He said, 70, seven year periods of time have been determined upon the nation of Israel. And in the 69th year, Messiah will be cut off. And the clock stopped. God sent his Messiah. The children of Israel rejected him as their Messiah. The clock stopped. But God still has a seven, one last seven year period of time, that 70th week of Daniel, in which God will fulfill all the things and Messiah will come. So you can see the importance of it. Well, he tells us here that a quarter of the world's population is dead. Now, all of a sudden, this doesn't sound any longer like, um, uh, you know, um, as it says in Matthew 24, where they were eating and drinking, marrying, given in marriage, party time. Now we're finding a catastrophic situation on the world. A quarter of the world's population is dead. And when you stop to think of the dictators down through the history of ages, just in our own last century, We think about Stalin killing 20 million Russians. Adolf Hitler was was attributed to 6 million Jews and Christians, not counting the American soldiers and the British soldiers and the Axis. Uh, we, We look at Fidel Castro, and I remember reading a book about the takeover of Fidel Castro in Cuba. And they said through the night for, for a year, you would hear gunfire all night long as they were executing in their mind what was a dissident. Che Guevara, you see his picture as you go down to the mall and you go into some of these stores where they have this outline of the guy with a little star in his hat. Che Guevara is glamorized in our society. He's a murdering thug. And why any store would have his outline on their shirts is a disgrace to America. That guy did more damage in Central America than probably any other one person. Che Guevara, never forget that person's name. We look at, we see the others. Chairman Mao, Mao Zedong, murdered 20 to 40 million Chinese. Uh, You look at these others that were down through the, you understand, it's serious stuff. Man has tried in his own futile attempts to somehow have peace on the earth. There is no peace without the Prince of Peace, and that's Jesus Christ. Well, now we come to the fifth seal. And the seal I saw, the the fifth seal, and, and when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Now, it is interesting to me that during the tribulation period, there will be people who will stand up for Jesus, but it will cost them their life. I've had people tell me, well, you know, Mike, I I don't want to accept the Lord right now. I want to party, you know, and I'll just die in the tribulation, you know, as a martyr. I said, well, it's very commendable, but I got one great question for you. If you won't live for Jesus when things are good, why would you die for Jesus when things are bad? 
So we look at this and we realize that the testimony which they had. Now he goes on and he tells us, verse 10, And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Those who killed us, basically, is what they're saying. You see, um, there's a lot of people, even during the tribulation, that say, God, why are you allowing all of this to go on? I know many people, many good Christians, maybe in your own personal life, you may even say the same thing. God, if you're really God, why do you allow the suffering to happen on this earth? Because in the fullness of time, God completes his purpose. Do you realize that sometimes... It's through the heartache that we go through in our life that we find God. A lot of people will not call out to God till they're at the bottom of the barrel where there, there is no other resource that they can crawl out to. Oh, I, I've tried everything. I've called all my friends. I, I've, I've, I've called the state. I've, I've done everything. I, I, no help. Until finally they call out to God and God says, I've been waiting here all along for you. You see, a lot of times we don't find God until we're at desperation. Well, what's really amazing to me is God's allowing the desperation to come upon the world so that they will call out to him and they will find him. And by the way, why does God let Christians suffer? I think a couple of reasons. One, I think it's so we never lose reality of who Jesus is so that we don't lose reality with people who do suffer. You know, it isn't until you suffer you become acutely aware of everybody else's suffering. You ever notice that? It isn't until you have a blowout on the freeway that you notice other people have blowouts. I had a blowout coming back from Arizona last week. Driving along, I hear this. I'm going, mm, the road's really rough here. And all of a sudden, oh, no. And I don't know if you've ever been in Nevada. When God made it, he made a lot of it. It all looks the same. So I go, okay. So I found a dirt road that was pretty handy by, and I turned it because I didn't want to jack the car up. On it. And so I, I get everything out of the trunk. <laughs> I had it all laid out there. And I pull the spare out, and the spare's got five pounds of air in it. And I'm going, no. And I thought, well, there's a little bit of air. So I bolted the tire on, I let the jack down, and I'm not kidding, the rim, the steel rim of the weenie wheel, you know what those are? They're a trick. Because, you see, they're littler. And when they go in the little hole under the trunk, okay, we know that. When you take that out and you get the tire that's blown out, it don't fit in the hole. It's bigger. Well, I let the jack down. I'm not kidding. The rim, the steel rim, was setting about three-quarters of an inch off the tire. In other words... I thought, well, this is all I got. I got to go with it. So I got in, put everything back in the car, got to a little town out there, and they put some air in my tire, and he checked it. He goes, there's no air in this tire. And I said, I know. Do you know it's supposed to have 60 pounds? And I said, yes. And he aired it up, and I went on my way. And I just said, Lord, thank you for six pounds of air pressure. I'm amazed when you hurt how you can thank God for the littlest thing. I have never thanked God for six pounds of air pressure in my life. 
But I'm glad that six pounds got me another 25 miles to where I could go get air in the tire. It's funny, when we suffer, we end up becoming sensitized to other people's suffering. So if you're going through something, God is sensitizing you to, first of all, his benevolent hand and supply that will be in your life and also causes us to be aware of those around us. I believe this is why we go through the things that we go through. These people that came up out of the Great Tribulation, they would not take the mark of the beast. They would not capitulate to the world system, and they were killed for their faith. Now, notice it says, they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, Lord? Well, I know, we see a lot of things wrong in this world. Someday when Jesus reigns, we're going to have this problem anymore. Notice it says, verse 11, a white robe was given to each of them. And it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren would be killed as they were. Or until it was completed. You see, that time of... Martyrdom is coming in the world. And again, I pray that we get to people before the Antichrist tries to seduce them. Well, now we go to the sixth seal in verse 12. I looked and he opened the sixth seal. And behold, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair. And the moon became like blood. Now, I I, I don't think the, the moon turns to blood as I've heard some people say. But I believe there's probably so much smoke and, and vaporized dirt in the air that it says, notice the exact words, became like blood. And when you look up at it, it's a red moon. And the stars from heaven fell to the earth, and this would probably speak of meteorites coming down. In fact, I read in the newspaper uh, last week, or in the news, They said that a a giant asteroid just missed the earth that they didn't even see coming. It just missed us. They think a lot of times that's probably what caused the Gulf of Mexico, that something of major size hit that. And that's why it's kind of like a circle, you know, around how it bends around Mexico and around Texas and all. They think that that might be where the impact was. Well, it says, it goes on, he says, The stars of heaven fell to the earth as fig tree drops its late figs when it's shaken by a mighty wind. I was thinking about this. Just think about, you know, they have these different storms. In fact, we've got one coming up uh, towards the end of the month here. Uh, meteorite storms where you can go out on the night and lay out on a cot or something like that. As you're looking at the stars feeding every mosquito within 100 miles. And, And as you're laying there, you're... You can see them. Imagine going, passing through something out in outer space where it says it's raining these things all over. And then I started thinking, as I drove through Nevada, right outside Las Vegas, going north on 93 or going south out by Hoover Dam, all the solar panels. Do you know rocks and glass don't do real well together? So everyone's saying, well, we need to be green. We need more solar panels. Okay. It says there's going to be literally rain of these kinds of things. As stars of heaven fell to the earth, as a fig tree drops its lake figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. And the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. Wow. 
talking about major tectonic plate movement. This is, I don't know whether this is speaking as an example of where the earth fractures and something happens. But if you look through the Bible, you'll find that that supernatural events like this preceded many of the great things of God to get people's attention. And and when you look at this, it, it talks about every mountain and island moves out of its place. I don't think we're talking 8-0 earthquakes, 7.5 earthquakes. I think we're talking 13-10s, <laughs> you know, 13-9s and, and 20s. I mean, where we actually have the whole topography of the earth change. It's interesting. They have the idea of the continental drift theory. Many of you remember that in school where they said, well, it's kind of interesting that it looks like uh, South America would kind of fit right over against Africa. And then and, and it was kind of well, you know, the Bible kind of indicates that at one time it probably was all one landmass. And the Bible says there was a guy named Peleg. And it says he was named Peleg when the world, when the earth split apart. Now, I don't want to be gross here, but I can understand why they named Peleg. If I saw the earth splitting apart, yeah, that would cause a reaction, I'm sure. But the Bible says that, that and, and we, we entered into what they call the continental drift theory. You probably heard that, where everything's moving away from each other. Well, it is true that they say that, that London, England, and, and uh, New York move apart from each other about an inch to two inches a year. So if you're going to go, hurry, because it's, it's going to get more expensive. But, but it says that it's moving apart. And you have the Mariana Trench and all these other things that are, that are going on in the world. And, and so it's, to me, an interesting picture when we look at the, the whole scenario of these things, every mountain and island moving out of its place. Now, it gets worse as we get farther into Revelation, where it says every island completely disappears. I like Hawaii. May not be there. It's there now, though. That's good. But the point is, there's going to be major tectonic plate movement in the world. Now, notice what else it says. Every mountain and island moved out of its place. The kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the cave in the rocks of the mountains. Notice it says every rich man, every, everyone. This really doesn't describe communism to me. Because we know in a communist society, the government busts everybody down to the same level. If you're a worker, then we're going to take what you got and give it to people who won't work. You know the whole story. Well, notice it says here, every slave, every free man. So we're going to find fragmented governments, I believe, even in this one world order that we're going to study more about as we come up to it. But notice, this is so what's so amazing. Who would ever dream this? Okay, look at verse 16. And he said, and it says, and said to the mountains, and they said, they said to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. Notice it says, all these guys, they got together, verse 16, and they said to the mountains, wow, they didn't call out to God. They called out to mother earth. Have you seen that happening a lot lately? The worship of earth, 
I don't know how many people, again, uh, caught the uh, or heard about the sunrise service we had in Twin Falls here down at, down at uh, Shoshone Falls Park. And rather than talking about the resurrection on sunrise service, it was celebrating Earth Day and yoga classes. Wow! Now that's true. Now, again, when you find people praying to the earth, what is this? And they said to the mountains and the rocks, hi, rock. No, I didn't. This. They're saying to the rocks, fall on us and hide us from him who sets us. This shows me total rebellion against God. When you know that the wrath of God is falling, and yet rather than repenting, you'll cry out and you'll worship rocks. You'll talk to rocks. You'll talk to mountains. Verse 17, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who will be able to stand? Instead of calling out to God, they call out to the rocks. Chapter 7, we get in to a little bit more. And then we're going to get, when we get to chapter eight, we're going to get into the seventh seal and we'll get into that next week. You know, it's interesting. The Bible doesn't write these things to scare Christians to death. He tells us these things. He says, henceforth, I'll no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master is doing. But from now on, I'm going to call you friends because God wants us to know. And the reason he wants us to know is to prepare our hearts to truly meet him. This morning, if you're not right with God, you know, if if the Lord was to come back, that trumpet that we find in Revelation chapter four blows and you know you're not right with God and you're not going. This is what awaits you and the world. Now, these things aren't written, again, to scare Christians. I believe it's written to help people during the tribulation navigate through the worst time, the Bible says, in the history of the earth. That's how much God thought of the tribulation saints. But as we look into this, oh, we want to be ready to go when he comes. You've got to be right with God. How do we get right with God? We say, Lord, forgive me. I want to be your kid. I believe you died on the cross for me, and now I want to live for you. Wow, what a deal that is. You trade away something you can't keep, your life, and you give it to God for something you'll never lose. That's God's good economics. This morning, if you need to pray, let's pray. And if you need to get right with God, let's just pray this together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I repent of the foolish way I've lived. And now I just want to live for you. I believe you died on the cross for me. Your blood covered my sins. And so I can be your child. Daddy, I love you. And I want to do what you want me to do from this day forward. So fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me. And God, thank you for eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. 
and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.